Friends of Elmira Baptist Church, this is Elmira and You, the podcast from Elmira Baptist Church, and I'm Pastor Scott. Welcome. Today is Monday, May 30th, 2022, Memorial Day for this year. Today's program is going to be entirely dedicated to Memorial Day. I want to read to you a brief account of two Marines, and then to end our program today, I will play the taps bugle call, recorded by the U.S. Marine Corps Band. On November 13, 2010, Lieutenant General John Kelly, U.S. Marine Corps, gave a speech to the Semper Fi Society of St. Louis, Missouri. This was four days after his son, Lieutenant Robert Kelly, U.S. Marine Corps, was killed by an IED while on his third combat tour. During his speech, General Kelly spoke about the dedication and valor of the young men and women who step forward each and every day to protect us. During the speech, he never mentioned the loss of his own son. He closed the speech with a moving account of the last six seconds in the lives of two young Marines who died with rifles blazing to protect their brother Marines. Here is his story. I will leave you with a story about the kind of people the Marines are, about the quality of the steel in their backs, about the kind of dedication they bring to our country while they serve in uniform and forever after as veterans. Two years ago, when I was the commander of all U.S. and Iraqi forces, in fact, April 22, 2008, two Marine infantry battalions, 1-9, The Walking Dead, and 2-8 were switching out in Ramadi. One battalion in the closing days of their deployment going home very soon, the other just starting its seven-month combat tour. Two Marines, Corporal Jonathan Yale and Lance Corporal Jordan Harder, 22 and 20 years old respectively, one from each battalion, were assuming the watch together at the entrance gate of an outpost that contained a makeshift barracks housing 50 Marines. The same broken-down ramshackle building was also home to 100 Iraqi police, also my men and our allies, in the fight against the terrorists in Ramadi, a city until recently the most dangerous city on earth and owned by Al-Qaeda. Yale was a dirt-poor mixed-race kid from Virginia with a wife and daughter, and a mother and sister who lived with him and whom he supported as well. He did this on a yearly salary of less than $23,000. Carter, on the other hand, was a middle-class white kid from Long Island. They were from two completely different worlds. Had they not joined the Marines, they would never have met each other, or understood that multiple Americas exist simultaneously depending on one's race, education level, economic status, and where you might have been born. They were Marines, combat Marines, forged in the same crucible of Marine training. And because of this bond, they were brothers as close or closer than if they had been born of the same mother. The mission orders they received from the sergeant squad leader, I am sure, went something like this. Okay, you two clowns, stand this post and let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. You clear? 
I'm also sure Yale and Harder then rolled their eyes and said in unison something like, Yes, Sergeant, with just enough attitude that made the point without saying the words, No kidding, sweetheart, we know what we're doing. Then they relieved two other Marines on watch and took up their post at the entry control point of Joint Security Station Nasser in the Sophia section of Ramadi, Al-Anbar, Iraq. A few minutes later, a large blue truck turned down the alleyway, perhaps 60 to 70 yards in length, and sped its way through the serpentine of concrete jersey walls. The truck stopped just short of where the two were posted and detonated, killing them both catastrophically. 24 brick masonry houses were damaged or destroyed. A mosque 100 yards away collapsed. The truck's engine came to rest 200 yards away, knocking most of a house down before it stopped. Our explosive experts reckoned the blast was made of 2,000 pounds of explosives. Two died. Because these two young infantrymen didn't have it in their DNA to run from danger, they saved 150 of their Iraqi and American brothers-in-arms. When I read the situation report about the incident, a few hours after it happened, I called the regimental commander for details, as something about this struck me as different. Marines dying or being seriously wounded is commonplace in combat. We expect Marines regardless of rank or MOS, to stand their ground and do their duty and even die in the process if that's what the mission takes. But this just seemed different. The regimental commander had just returned from the site, and he agreed, but reported that there were no American witnesses to the event, just Iraqi police. I figured if there was any chance of finding out what actually happened and then to decorate the two Marines to acknowledge their bravery, I'd have to do it as a combat award that requires two eyewitnesses, and we figured the bureaucrats back in Washington would never buy Iraqi statements. If it had any chance at all, it had to come under the signature of a general officer. So I traveled to Ramadi the next day and spoke individually to a half dozen Iraqi police, all of whom told the same story. The blue truck turned down into the alley and immediately sped up as it made its way through the serpentine. They all said, we knew immediately what was going on as soon as the two Marines began firing. The Iraqi police then related that some of them also fired, and then to a man, the Iraqi police ran for safety just prior to the explosion. All of them survived. Many were injured, some seriously. One of the Iraqis elaborated, and with tears welling up said, quote, They'd run like any normal man would to save his life, end quote. What he didn't know until then, he said, and what he learned that very instant, was that Marines are not normal. Choking past the emotion, he said, quote, Sir, in the name of God, no sane man would have stood there and done what they did. No sane man. They saved us all, end quote. What we didn't know at the time, and only learned a couple of days later, after I wrote a summary and submitted both Yale and Harder for posthumous crosses, was that one of our security cameras, damaged initially in the blast, recorded some of the suicide attack. It happened exactly as the Iraqis had described it. It took exactly six seconds.
from when the truck entered the alley until it detonated. You can watch the last six seconds of their young lives. Putting myself in their heads, I suppose it took about a second for the two Marines to separately come to the same conclusion about what was going on once the truck came into their view at the far end of the alley, just 60 to 70 yards away. Exactly no time to talk it over or call the sergeant to ask what they should do. Only enough time to take half an instant and think about what the sergeant told them to do only a few minutes before. Quote, let no unauthorized personnel or vehicles pass. End quote. The two Marines had about five seconds left to live. It took maybe another two seconds for them to present their weapons, take aim, and open up. By this time, the truck was halfway through the barriers and gaining speed the whole time. Here, the recording shows a number of Iraq police, some of whom had fired their AK-47s, now scattering like the normal and rational men that they were, some running right past the Marines. Those two had three seconds to live. For about two seconds more, the recording shows the Marines' weapons firing nonstop. The truck's windshield exploding into shards of glass as the rounds take it apart and tore into the body of the driver who is trying to get past them to kill their brothers, American and Iraqi, bedded down in the barracks, totally unaware of the fact that their lives at that moment depended entirely on two Marines standing their ground. If they had been aware, they would have known they were safe because two Marines stood between them and a crazed suicide bomber. The recording shows the truck careening to a stop immediately in front of the two Marines. In all the instantaneous violence, Yale and Harder never hesitated. By all reports and by the recording, they never stepped back. They never even started to step aside. They never even shifted their weight. With their feet spread shoulder wink apart, they leaned into the danger, firing as fast as they could work their weapons. They had only one second left to live. The truck explodes. The camera goes blank. Two men go to their god. Six seconds. Not enough time to think about their families, their country, their flag, or about their lives or their deaths, but more than enough time for two very brave young men to do their duty into eternity. That is the kind of people who are on watch all over the world tonight for you. We believe God gave America the greatest gift he could bestow to a man while he lived on this earth, freedom. We also believe he gave us another gift nearly as precious, our soldiers, sailors, airmen, coast guardsmen, and marines. To safeguard that gift and guarantee no force on this earth can ever steal it away. It has been my distinct honor to have been with you here today. Rest assured, our America... This experiment in democracy started over two centuries ago will forever remain the land of the free and home of the brave so long as we never run out of tough young Americans who are willing to look beyond their own self-interest and comfortable lives and go into the darkest and most dangerous places on earth to hunt down and kill those who would do us harm.